0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 18, 1-12, called Good News of Great Joy.
1: Now, Jethro, you got to say this with a little twang, May God richly bless you, my beloved. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Exodus 18, 1, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses' wife, Zipporah, after he had sent her away. And her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom, for Moses said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land, The other was named Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Five. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he camped at the Mount of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. And then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed down and kissed him and they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. And Moses told all uh, told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the, to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had befallen them on the journey and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering, sacrifices for God. Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law, before God or in the presence of God you may be seated father thank you so much for your living word thank you for living truth this body of believers I know they deeply desire to please you walk with you and be witnesses to the good news this is a message called good news of great joy much of the focus will be on evangelism and how to do it and I pray that you would add and take away from what I've prepared that you would impart what you want uh, people to hear and that you give Ears to hear to your church what the Spirit says to us in this hour. For your glory in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, you'll recall that the book of Exodus is a book about salvation with salvation pictures. So when Israel is in bondage to Egypt, it's a type of our bondage to sin. Pharaoh is a picture of Satan, the taskmasters that whip the people, a picture of our besetting sin that tends to beat us up and hurt us. And we know what happened, right? Israel was set free by God. And ultimately, they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and on the lentil. And God passed over and out they went out of Egypt by God's mighty hand with treasures from the Egyptian people. And so they moved out and we have the picture of the blood of the lamb ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We're saved by the blood and they came to the edge of the Red Sea and they were happy and they were rejoicing. But then the Egyptian army came. The devil doesn't give up very easy, does he? He looks for opportune moments and there they are trapped by the sea and the people start complaining. Did you bring us out here to die? And Moses took the staff and just pointed it towards the sea. And God, the psalmist puts it this way, opened up the sea with the blast of his nostrils. And through the sea, on dry ground, went the children of Israel. And the Egyptian army followed, right? We know how the battle is and how intense it can be. But then the Lord closed the sea on the Egyptian army and the people of Israel learned what worship was. They they went through the sea, which is a picture of baptism. We get saved and we get baptized. They were baptized in the cloud and in the sea, baptized into Moses. The Lord closed the sea and then they learned worship. Moses wrote a song, the song of Moses. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. He is exalted. The horse and rider he hurled into the sea. It was a hit song in all the churches, right? And the people were rejoicing and they learned how to worship. And then as they moved on a little bit, what happened? They started whining. Where's our water? We want the water. Where's our bread? We want the bread. We had chili in Egypt every Friday night. It was Pharaoh's chili cook-off. Come on right? So they started complaining and God brought the manna from heaven. That's a picture of us reading our Bibles manna for today. Ultimately a picture of the bread of God, Jesus Christ, right? God's provision for us. We need manna every day. And then they they got thirsty and they whined and they complained. And God says, I'll stand on top of the rock and Moses, you take the staff and strike the rock and water will flow. A picture of Jesus being struck on the cross only once for the sin of the world and the power of the Holy Spirit flows out to his people. We're born again of the Holy Spirit. Beautiful salvation pictures. And the people were satisfied. And then all of a sudden, as they moved a little bit on, Amalek attacked them. Remember, this was last week. And they attacked the stragglers at the rear. And it seems like when we're tired and weary, you know, we we learn lessons about, spiritual warfare and the like and prayer. But Amalek came and picked off the stragglers and Moses went up to the top of the hill and when his hands were up, Israel was winning and when his hands went down, Israel was losing. We had a picture of spiritual warfare and the power of prayer. Can you see how the whole Christian life is coming into view? Salvation by grace, baptism, uh, how we sometimes become whiners and complainers and God still provides for us bread and water, living bread, living water. And then we deal with uh, you know issues of worship and then the Amalekites come and we deal with spiritual warfare and we find ways to battle all of that. And now we're going to get a lesson in this small section before us about evangelism. How do we share our faith? What are some of the keys to make known the hope of the good news, of the great joy that we have. Now Jethro, verse 1, Exodus 18, he's identified as the priest of Midian. You may remember earlier he was called Raul, which means friend of God or God is a friend. Notice he is a priest, but he's a priest in Midian. It is interesting that the Midianites were associated or close kin with the Amalekites. The Amalekites are the people that Israel just won a battle over. The Midianites are mentioned in Genesis 37 as selling Joseph into Potiphar's house. And if you want to read for devotional time, Judges 6 and 7, the Midianites are the ones that Israel has to fight under the leadership of Gideon. So they were a problem for Israel. And There's a little conjecture about where the Midianites were in terms of their spiritual life. Some believe that uh, Jethro was a, worshipper of Yahweh, the one true God, but maybe his faith was somewhat incomplete, almost like Apollos in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Uh, He he knew something about the gospel, but then he was informed more about it, and he was a mighty speaker and the like. That may be the, the case, but there are others who argue that Midianites were idolaters. So they may have worshipped a different god or maybe multiple gods, And that may be where Jethro was. But remember, Jethro had spent 40 years with Moses, and I'm sure they talked about God and talked about spiritual realities. So there's a little bit of uh, debate about where Jethro is. But he's a priest, and he's Moses' father-in-law. I think something like at least, what, 8, 10, 12 times, it's emphasized that he is Moses' father-in-law. When it comes to evangelism, family can be the very category, the most difficult people to share with. Why are family members difficult to share the gospel with? Number one, because they know you. (laughs) They watch you grow up, right? You come, you know, into the living room. I've been a Christian for two weeks. Slap everybody across the face with your family Bible. (laughs) Y'all gonna get saved now. Repent. Well, I'll tell you, there may be family members who are going to watch to see how long this lasts. And you may want to just kind of soften your approach a little bit. I will tell you a story about my mom. My mom's here in the front row. So my mom grew up in the Roman Catholic Church as I did. And one day we, you may remember this, mom, we pulled into the driveway of the house and I locked the doors of the car, locked my mother in the car. And I said, mom, you're going to listen to me. I said it nicely to her. I said, Mom, I'm concerned about you. I want you to understand the gospel. So I went through the gospel with my mom because, you know, you want to make sure your mom mama's in heaven. So my mom said, oh, yeah, yeah, Michael, I've, I've trusted Christ. This is many years ago. So um, uh, an Easter Sunday, I don't remember, Mom, how long it was and beyond that, but maybe a couple months later. I'm preaching on an Easter Sunday. This is years ago at our, one of our old locations I gave an altar call, Resurrection Sunday morning. I had my eyes closed. I was praying for everybody. I looked down, and my own mom was at the foot of the pulpit. And she opened up her life to Jesus Christ. And my mom was bawling, which is unusual for you, Mama. (laughs) And to pray a prayer where your own mama opened her heart to Jesus Christ. I said there, I could have been taken to heaven right there. I, I was good. But you're, you're in the front row, uh, second service every week, rain or shine. Well, sometimes you don't come if it rains. But anyway, <laughs> but mama, I, I, I tell you, that was a very special moment for me. But I realized that when I be- first became a Christian, people may have questioned, is this going to stick? Let's, let's see if there's some fruit in his life. And I think you've got to be really wise with family members and kind of bide your time and maybe even earn the right to be heard. You know, sometimes you're sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner and religion and politics and sports comes up. (laughs) We don't talk about those things around here. Pass the gravy, you know. Um, And it could be tough and it could be maybe even extra intimidating when it's your own family. You have a passion for their soul, but sometimes you don't even know how to get there. You don't know how to begin the conversation and how to express your urgency for their soul. I would just say that there's principles there. And Jethro, noticed he heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, middle of one, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. One of the top apologists on the issue of abortion and life is Scott Klusendorf. There are conjoined twins out there. In fact, I'm thinking right now of the Henschel twins that the media has followed since infancy. They're now in their early 30s. They are joined literally at the hip. You look at a picture of these girls and you see one set of legs, two body trunks, two
1: sets of shoulders, and two heads. Now, these two girls cannot live independent of each other because their organs are intertwined and their bodily systems are linked in such a way that separation is impossible. But if living independent of another human being is what grounds your right to life, neither one of those girls has a right to life and both can be killed.
0: Join Pastor Michael Lance on Sunday, February 5th at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Life Training Institute President Scott Klusendorf will be our guest during both morning services,
1: teaching on In His Image, a case for life in a post-Roe v. Wade world. Learn more at walkintruth.com or call 844 844- 48 Truth 844 48 Truth or visit walkintruth.com.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: And I think you got to be really wise with family members and kind of bide your time, and maybe even earn the right to be heard. You know, sometimes you're sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner, and religion, and politics, and sports comes up. (laughs) We don't talk about those things around here. Pass the gravy, you know. Um, And it could be tough, and it could be maybe even extra intimidating when it's your own family. You have a passion for their soul, but sometimes you don't even know how to get there. You don't know how to begin the conversation, and how to express your urgency for their soul. I would just say that there's principles there. And Jethro, notice, he heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, middle of one, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. You see, Jethro was hearing what God was doing in Moses' life. And this is a consideration, for those of you who are taking notes, maybe Your family member is going to be more open when they start to see and hear what God is doing in your life. And other people might start to tell them. When they start to see the fruit in your life, Jethro heard about it. Now you might say, how did he hear about it? Well, in the ancient world, the caravans would spread messages. And uh, you could imagine that Jethro was probably closely listening for news reports about what was happening in Egypt. What Jethro knew to our knowledge at this point was that Moses told him, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna check on the welfare of my people, that's Exodus 2. I don't know if Moses later or at some point or it was conveyed to Jethro, shared the burning bush experience. I don't know if he said, God's called me to be the deliverer and I'm going back to confront the Pharaoh. Can you imagine being uh, Moses' father-in-law? You're gonna go do what? You're going to go confront the most powerful leader of the known world and say what? Let my people go. But that's what Moses was called to do. And Jethro in his humanity might have been thinking, well, we ain't going to see him again. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I'm going to go to challenge the president of the United States. I'm walking in. Let my people go. Yeah. That may not go too well. We all want to have faith and believe, but you know, Jethro might have been thinking... What spoke to you? A bush that was on fire and, you know. Well, anyway, Jethro, through the caravan messages, was hearing about this Moses and about what God was doing through the plagues. And just write this down. You've heard this before. Joshua 2.10, Rahab, a citizen of Jericho in the promised land says, we've heard, Joshua 2.10, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan and so on and so on. Here's the point. News was spreading about Moses and namely God's incredible miracles through uh, through Moses. And so basically he had heard all this good news. And you can imagine if Zipporah was there early on then everybody, you know, they, they would have been looking for news reports desperately to find out the welfare of this man that they cared about and loved. Raul is the name of Jethro earlier. It may be a tribal name, but his name means friend of God or God is a friend. And whether you're a, a worshiper of the true God or not, God sent his son to save the world. He so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He loves the world. He loves Jew and Gentile. He loved you while you were yet a sinner. And he wanted you to be saved. That's why you're sitting here right now. So whatever the spiritual condition uh, of Jethro may have been, uh, he certainly has been hearing stories of God's glory. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law too, took Moses' wife Zipporah after he had sent her away. Now, when did this happen? Well, if, you go, if you've been with us through the studies in Exodus, you might remember a very strange scene in Exodus 4. Moses is walking along with his wife and his son. At this time, he only has one son. And God, it says that God wanted to kill Moses. And you're like, say what? And his wife, Zipporah, quickly circumcised their son, Gershom, took the foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. One, something I would not recommend at a circumcision service. And she said, you're a husband of blood to me. And we're all like, what does this mean? Well, we certainly know it's a cutting away of the flesh. The spiritual picture is we got we to gotta let the flesh die. We got to cut it away. Whatever else it meant there. There are scholars that believe that right there, Zipporah was so upset with Moses and he with her that he sent her away and some rabbis and scholars take the Hebrew word shalak to send away as a divorce. They believe, this group of scholars, believes that Moses divorced Sapporah and said, go back to your father. I don't think that's what happened because she's gonna be called his wife in the verses to come. I believe they're still married. I believe he sent her away for another reason. What would the reason be? Some would hold that as Moses, it does say that Moses mounted uh, an animal, a beast of burden, and took his wife and son to Egypt. Uh, somebody like John Calvin said he thinks it would have been uh, wimpy of Moses. He would have been a hypocrite had he not taken his wife and son because it would have been, sent a message that he didn't really believe that God could deliver them. Whatever the case, some believe that as the plague started, Moses said, Take our son and go home. And I want you to be protected. Something like that. And some believe, third option, that as they move closer towards Mount Horeb, which will be Sinai, that Moses then said to his wife, go visit your dad with the boys, go visit a grandpa, and then come back and we'll reunite. Those are the possibilities. But either way, we know Zipporah had some time with her dad, with grandpa for the two boys, and they were separated. I was thinking uh, if they had been separated for a long time, The picture that came to mind is, I'm sure you've all seen these uh, surprise moments where a veteran comes off the battlefield and surprises their family at a different event. And the emotion when a veteran returns home and is safe and you can actually hug one another and kiss one another is so beautiful. And and I believe that's maybe what we have here. There's a family reunion behind this And maybe, you know, on a human level, they didn't expect to see Moses again. So her two sons, of whom was named Gershom, he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. We just get a little bit more about Moses' family. The other son, this is the first mention of him, was Eliezer, named Eliezer. He said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh.
0: You've been listening to Good News of Great Joy, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 18, 1-12. If you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station. Same if you're listening to podcasts, you can click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they'll be the same to someone else you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about walk in truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word.
1: Well, we've picked up this title, Good News of Great Joy, really something from Luke chapter 2, when Jesus is born into the world. And as we see this interaction between Moses and his father-in-law, you know, there was much for Moses to share, much good news. And we have good news to share with others. The good news is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is that God saves and that he has paid the price for our redemption. And we're called simply to repent and follow Jesus Christ. But you may be saying today, well, you know what? Nobody's listening to me. The people that I love the most, the people closest to me don't want to hear it. What do I do when my friends and family don't want to hear the gospel? Then you live the gospel. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Michael? Well, you know, I believe that we, we need to share with whoever we can, but there is also, especially with those closest to us, earning the right to be heard. They're probably going to watch to see if there's consistency in you, if it's working for you. I mean, people, uh, you know, no doubt they, they look for uh, that kind of thing. And sometimes when they are in a situation where, it's above them. It's uh, bigger than they can handle. They'll come to you. And you'll have a chance to share the good news. So don't lose heart because um, opportunities will come. Your job is to stay faithful. And when you have an opportunity to be true to the gospel. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to the Book of Exodus right here on Walk in Truth. And we have a very special event coming up at Living Truth Christian Fellowship where I serve as senior pastor. This is an apologetics uh, morning and evening with a very special guest speaker, Scott Klusendorf, who's one of the leading authorities on the issues of abortion and life and does a great job really uh, getting down to reason and reasonable answers, thought through answers from Scripture, of course, but also just from logic, um, you know, kind of unmasking What is the truth that science says about what the unborn actually is? And how do you get there with a friend or a coworker from point A to point B that you can give a well-reasoned argument, but you can also do it with gentleness and respect? Well, Scott does a great job. He's going to be here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, February the 5th, both morning services, The Message in His Image, A Case for Life in a Post-Roe v. Wade World. And coming back for our 6.33 evening service, doing some Q&A and additional training where he'll interact with your questions and um, whatever you may be struggling with on the topic. That's happening on February 5th at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Now, if you have a home church, and I hope you do, uh, maybe you'll come out for the evening service. I will encourage you to do so because this is one of the leading experts on this topic. We'd love to meet you. I'd love to meet you if you're a radio listener. Mark your calendar February 5th for a special day and evening with Scott Klusendorf on the issue of life. You can find out more when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab, walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. God bless you, thanks for listening. Thanks for praying for us. And we'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. God bless.
0: And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael taking a short break from the book of Exodus to speak with Scott Klusendorf about our upcoming 633 event called In His Image, a case for life in a post-Roe v. Wade world. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.